Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out, demystifying HR and people management. I'm very fortunate to have as a guest on today's show, Alex Kahn. Alex is currently the Senior Project Manager at Maximizer Software Incorporated. He previously held the positions of Head of Operations and Manager of HR, Payroll and Facilities. Prior to joining Maximizer, Alex owned and ran his own company as a business consultant and coach, and he was the Director of Finance and Operations with a startup software company. An avid volunteer, Alex has served in several roles on Strata Council and led fundraising campaigns with the support of the organizations and the people that he worked with. Alex received his accounting education at the Cape Breton University and his PCP certification through Douglas College here in Vancouver. Alex, you bring a wealth of different organizational structures and experience with you to our topic of employee engagement today. I look really forward to learning of your insights and I just really appreciate your being here. Thank you for saying yes and welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm going to start with the big question about what does being engaged in your work mean to you? That is a good question. And I would like to think uh, I'm not far off from most people's definition. Um, For me, being engaged means uh, bringing passion and a desire to succeed to the workplace. Um, For me, everything I do with the most engagement usually involves some level of passion. I have an interest and I want to do it. And I think that's the same for most people. Um, I also thrive in environments where there's opportunity to make mistakes and learn. And that is engaging to me. Um, learning um, is, is huge. Innovation is huge. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I've stuck around the tech space because there's always innovation happening. So mm-hmm. uh, for me, that's, that's what engaged is. It's, it's allowing me to do things I enjoy doing and exploring things that I may enjoy doing um, all the while, as I said, learning. So yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Wow. That sounds wonderful and <laughs> not surprising. And you, you actually reference that you think it's the same for most individuals. I, I think engaged people, they, it's, it's what drives you in your personal life. So why wouldn't it be the same in your work, right? Um, when you find something you're passionate about outside of work, you dive in headfirst. And sometimes you, it's a completely unknown. Uh, mm. And I think people go to the workspace the same way. Um, they see a company that's doing cool stuff, but maybe they 
you know, it's new to them. Mm -hmm. um, so they get engaged because they want to learn that new or they've already got a passion. Uh, one of the greatest things with the tech industry is uh, video gamers. You see a lot of these gamers, they grew up in front of old systems of Atari, Nintendo and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And they remember all the characters from those things. And now they get these opportunities to design and build their own and someone else is going to play their game. And you see that passion from a child right mm -hmm, now has mm -hmm. become as an adult and, and, and lots of people who aren't in the industry maybe don't see it that way because they see video games as for kids, but it, it's a, a passion thing for these people. Right. So that, that's why I feel, I think most engaged people feel the same way. It has to do around passion and, and that des desire to succeed. Yeah. My husband must be a kid because he loves, <laughs> he loves <laughs> video games. Yeah, it's almost like um, playing at work from what yep. you're describing. Yep. And, and yeah, just getting lost in, in something that you love. Employee engagement's actually been cited as being the key to building successful businesses. But statistics indicate that only about 15% of employees are highly engaged in the work that they're doing. Any thoughts on, on why people are so disengaged um, or why they're, well, I think the highly engaged you've just kind of spoken about, but what about the disengagement? So uh, I'll start this by saying I, over the course of my career, have not put a lot of stock in stats. Mm. Um, and yet I'm a statistics, I love numbers. Um, and when I say I don't put a lot of stock, it's, it's hard to tell where it came from uh, in the sense that if you look at a particular industry, their engagement levels go up and down much different than another industry. So sometimes some of the blanket stats, that's why I take them with a grain of salt. Mm. Um, that said, I do agree that engagement levels um, are down in a, in a lot of industries. Um, and certainly during COVID, um, they're way down. And I think one of the big reasons, it's, it's one thing to cite COVID is the reason, but if you look at people these days, I mean, there's so much technology, there's so much busy going on in their personal lives. Um, it's very hard to be engaged at work. Um, so it's not like you just, you know, go to work, I love it every day, and then all of these other noises disappear. So I, I think the personal life of most individuals, you look at parents today with multiple children, and they're having to drag them in different directions you're connected always to work because of technology. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have their own expectations of, I have to work. Like, oh, I have to do that. Oh, my phone, someone emailed me and I heard it ping, so I have to mm -hmm. answer it. And I think that really um, affects people's engagement. And, and that's somewhat self-imposed. And then of course, there's the external factors that affect your personal. Um, that said, I do not let employers off the hook <laughs> when it comes to this they are a huge part of the disengagement. There are a lot of employers in different industries that are looking solely at the numbers. They're not mm -hmm. looking at the, the people, the human beings that are making your company successful. Uh, I often look at those companies and say, you know, your numbers wouldn't even exist at all if you don't have the right people. Mm -hmm. And in order to have the right people, you need to have an engaging environment because talented smart individuals with passion aren't going to work for companies that don't provide that environment so so i think it is it's it's definitely a balancing act mm -hmm. um i think over the years it's gotten worse because of the personal influence the personal life influence um, but i certainly think 
employers have in some cases just simply taken advantage of, you know, some people have to work, like have to work. They mm -hmm. have to do multiple jobs. And rather than giving them a great environment that they can, you know, bring some level of passion to, um, it becomes a job versus a career or something they really want to do. So it's, it's kind of, you know, twofold of where that disengagement comes from. You make a ton of really good points. And, and as well, engagement um, peaks and, and dives individually. You know, you can be in the same company and, you know, it starts off or you get on a great project and your engagement goes up. So, um, yeah, some really good points there. And also how critical a recruitment process is. You know, of yeah. just really understanding the culture of our organizations and making sure that the people that we're bringing into those organizations, that the fit's going to be right, uh, both for the organization and for the individual. Absolutely. And actually, that you say that, and now I, I'm, I'm thinking of another point around the disengagement. A lot of companies, if you look at them, unless they are large with big budgets, they aren't hiring HR departments anymore. HR was a standard position in every company, and now it's not and it's spread across small organizations where mm -hmm. people don't have the training to, you know, do proper recruitment, do proper engagement activities, proper training for their employees. So of course that's going to affect the engagement of, you know, new hires and, and mm -hmm. things like that the onboarding process, I, I, I spoke to this not that long ago, actually to a group of people, the onboarding process is, is so important to not the, you know, the first month or two of a person's job, it's the rest of their time with you. Mm -hmm. That starting point, that first impression, it's where they build off of, right? So yeah, yeah. the recruitment is important. I love the, the buddy systems that some organizations put into place of just having someone to go to and learn the cultural norms. And yeah, yeah, just a friend. Yep, absolutely. So interesting, we're, we're both going to talk a little bit about our HR stuff. Um, large number of companies you're saying that retaining employees is actually harder than hiring them. Has this been your experience? And do you think the lack of engagement has been the reason that employees are choosing to leave those companies? So I would say it's a, it's a close race when it comes to what, what, what is harder, retaining or hiring. Um, but I think hiring is actually harder. And, and I say that because I believe the employer that already has a good employee that they already spent the time hiring and going through the practice, um, you already know the employee. You've already hired them. You already should have learned some of why they're joining you in the first place. You should have learned some of their passions. So you've got a leg up on the competition who's probably out there trying to poach your good employee. Mm. Um, so retention really should be a little easier for you because you've already got that leg up. Um, and, and really, if you've hired this individual that is, you know, a smart, passionate individual, you should have already had the environment that drew them in in the first place. Um, whereas going out and finding brand new talent, you're competing with everybody else looking for that. Um, and, and if you think of accountants and, and salespeople and, and some of those standard jobs in every organization, you're not only competing with your industry, you're competing with Everybody out there looking for an accountant, a salesperson, IT, uh, marketing. And I think that is a, is a tough thing to do because you have to pitch someone that doesn't know anything about you. Um, you have to then, 
you know, not just pitch them the first, but get in that conversation and show them and show them that you're an honest company. What you're telling them is true. Um, they have to believe you complete stranger. Mm-hmm. And if you think about, <laughs> you know, think of a walking down the streets, if you approach the complete stranger and just tried to have a conversation about any generic topic, it's a lot harder to have. Uh, whereas you walk down the street and you run into even a former colleague or employee, it's a lot easier to have. So I think that's why the hiring process to me is a little harder. It's that you are out in the unknown. Um, Mm -hmm. The person you're meeting is unknown to you and you're unknown to them. Um, Doesn't mean it can't be made easier. Um, Certainly telling, you know, the right pieces of information about your company, being very open and transparent helps. Uh, But I definitely, I, I think if an employer is, I'll say using it as an excuse uh, they're watching employees walk out the door because they don't know how to retain them. Uh, I think the employer needs to take a good look at themselves and say, am I, am I one hiring the right people, but also am I providing the right environment for those people? And again, you know, I reflect back on and what, what we said through the interview process, through the onboarding process, was that actually what the employee experienced Yeah. Um, in their their time here. Yeah, because I know with the hiring process, when your the company's reputation is really positive, that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Because again, it's, it's not an unknown. The, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to hit you with a few more statistics. So bear with me. No problem. <laughs> so Saratoga Institute um, interviewed over or almost 20,000 people and discovered that 89% of employers think the people leave for more money but the people that actually do leave for money is only around 12%. That gap is a concern. And again, it's the statistics. So it's the time that it was taken and, and the environment that it was taken in, but any thoughts? Are, are, are we as managers that daft in, in, (laughs) (laughs) in our perceptions about why people choose to leave our organizations? Ah, I don't know if daft is a good word on that. And for some people, I definitely think, um, I think there's a few pieces to this. So one, uh, I mentioned earlier, a lot of organizations have lost the budget, lost the, you know, the role of HR. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more pressure on managers involved. And I think there's a lot of managers out there that aren't managers. They think they are, uh, but they haven't been trained. They have no experience. Um, and, And managing uh, there's a there's a whole like set of responsibilities that you need to learn and experience uh, and practice. I mean, practice makes perfect, and you need to be able to practice how you engage people. So I think without those roles being standardized, like HR and people being trained to to manage their people, to work with the people, to engage with them, I think you get a growth of you know they're they're not bad employees, they're not even bad managers, they're just not strong managers Mm -hmm. and so when people leave they tend to look at the employee and find the easiest excuse to say oh they left for more money and and i can tell you from my experience when people have come in and they've resigned um and when i was the hr person and they came and told me they were leaving and and i asked them oh you know what's your reason they they would say things like well you know there's a new opportunity um and 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 they offer me more money and and that sort of stuff. and and the first response i would usually have is well did you talk to your manager here about 
you know, the opportunities, the growth? Did you want to, you know, were the things here? And sometimes I already knew there wasn't, you know, they, they took a role that we just didn't have for mm-hmm. them. Um, but money was never, ever the conversation for me because at the end of the day, um, I, I think it'd be fascinating. I, I don't think I've ever, ever seen any employee leave that said, oh, I simply left for money. There's always more money in the offer. That's part of the uh, uh, grab of a new employer. They're saying, hey, you know, we're going to give you all these opportunities, all these things. You're a great manager. You can work from home. You can do all these benefits. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're going to throw a little money at you. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes the they left for more money is a bit of a cop-out for these, you know, managers who maybe aren't fully engaged in their people anyway. And, you know, of course, they got more money. They went to a new role. That's part of the appeal. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I also think, again, it's it comes down to that, um, you know, what's the industry that was involved in these surveys? Because uh, not to discredit survey, but I look at certain industries as, as money is a driver, uh, certain roles, um, mm-hmm. you know, salespeople. We've had salespeople throughout our organization or any of the organizations to work with. And depending on what they're selling, they, there's a cap on what they can make in the first place. So... Mm-hmm it's easy to point to, Oh, they left for money, but is it really the money they left for? Or was it the opportunity to make more? Um, and again, it's not so much the money, but you know, I, I can sell one item every month or I can sell a thousand items. Mm-hmm. Am I selling something innovative? You know? So, so that's, that's the, I, I think the underlying story and it gets yeah. lost in, in people are like, well, they left for more money. Right. Good points. Wow. Another report <laughs> basically talks about how we are considerably more likely to applaud or recognize our highly engaged employees than we are our disengaged employees. And if that's the case, then, then it's a vicious cycle because the people that most need the recognition are not the ones that uh, tend to be getting it. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's true? Uh, I absolutely think it's true. Yeah. Um, but I think it's true and it's, it's, so I think it's true because of maybe the wording there, the recognition. Um, we've all worked with uh, rock stars, or at least I hope we all have, because mm-hmm. it's great to have individuals around you that are just constantly striving, doing a great job, it seems like they never have an off day, even though, you know, they do, um, mm-hmm. they somehow make it seem like they don't. Um, and those individuals, you know, people see them constantly just doing well. They're always doing good things. They're trying They're trying new things. And that doesn't even mean things are working out for them. You know, again, that's that making mistakes type stuff. Um, but they're always just working at it and they're willing to help others. And, that alone gets recognized. And after a while, it becomes a constant behavior that they do step up a few extra times, you know, just outside of that comfort zone. Um, And then there's the ones who are just constantly trying and trying and trying. So to me, of course, they're going to get recognized. You're, it's like a percentage game, right? Mm -hmm, If you do mm -hmm. something good once and then sit back and think, oh, maybe I'll get recognized for that. Um, Maybe I'll get a bonus because I did this one good thing. Uh, it's not a very good plan. Um, I'm not a gambling man, but that's bad odds. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I also think when it comes to the disengaged group, if they're already disengaged, 
you know, they're probably one-offing some of their job anyway. So it's a lot harder for them to, you know, really want to step up. Therefore, mm-hmm. people aren't going to recognize it. Um, yeah. and, and unfortunately, we as I, I've noticed this in my own career is we tend to, as humans, look at the negative before we look at the positive. So, mm-hmm. you know, when someone's just constantly doing good, we see that and we, we almost take it for granted. But it's not in a bad way. We just, hey, they're, they do a great job. Mm-hmm. When someone's disengaged and they're acting kind of funny and they're not really, you know, pulling their weight, we notice that. Humans, mm-hmm. we notice it. We may not say nothing, but we see it. So yeah. we'll distance ourselves from that. And and that's where, oh, yeah, that's great. You did something good this week, but I saw last week. I remember you not helping me or <laughs> helping someone. Right? So we remember yeah, those yeah. negatives. And, mm-hmm. and that outweighs maybe the positive. So, yeah, I absolutely think we favor it. And, and I don't see it as a bad thing. Um, what I do think is, is, is organizations need to recognize those employees quickly mm-hmm. and try to help them get engaged again. Find out yeah. why they're not. Yeah, that, that digging deeper of what's going on. Yeah, just observing that somebody's uh, not being as productive or faring as well as the others. Yeah. I've got a quote that I read that made me prickle as an HR practitioner. Mm -hmm. Uh, Disengaged employees aren't born that way. They're created by ineffective, badly trained managers and lack of strong human resource management within corporations. We've talked a little bit about lots of organizations don't have HR, um, but it still made me prickle. (laughs) I, I do agree that disengaged employees aren't born that way, but are they created uh, completely by ineffective, badly trained managers? And of course, the, the lack of the strong HR support. Um, I guess for the most part, I would say yes. And I say that knowing that the company probably hired somebody who was wanting to be engaged in the first place. Mm. Um, because again, I think it's on the company that if you hired someone that you already thought was not engaged with your organization, not sure why you hired them yeah probably not the right fit for whatever reason yeah um but i i think as far as are they created by this absolutely because the organization is responsible as i mentioned earlier you know here's an employee they've come with passion they've come you know with all these desires and, and and wants to learn and do things and great things and hopefully you know they're not being selfish about it either they're saying hey i can make the the organization be better it's on the 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 managers around them and and it's on the leaders and leaders aren't always senior people too there's there's some Mm -hmm. of these people that are being recognized right some some people get recognized for being good leaders and they're not Mm -hmm. managers um so i i absolutely think it's it's a created thing within the environment um i think people when they start out honestly want to be engaged and do good things uh, and it doesn't matter what role i mean you know you, you hear about people in uh, in what what's considered low level jobs and things that i i don't i don't even know if to, in my eyes is there an actual low level job yeah, you know there's a starting great. point right mm-hmm. there's a starting point we all start our career somewhere um yeah. and and I, and I think one of the actually in saying that one of the greatest things and you know, we've seen with, you know, COVID and the pandemic. So you look at people who are working at grocery stores, mm-hmm. you know, how many times have people considered that a low level job? 
<laughs> and yet yeah. during a pandemic, if they're not working, we're not getting we're food not eating groceries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty critical. So yeah, key, key talent. Is it, yeah. Is it a low level job or is it, you know, you need to get, engage these people and, and get them involved in the organization and help them out. And, and so, yeah, I absolutely think it's, it's created because you hired mm. someone who's engaged in the first place. So find ways to keep them engaged. That really gets, goes back to how important it is for people who are taking the managerial or the lead roles of, of having the people management skills and building mm-hmm. those um, as a critical component of employee engagement. I've also read that professional development is an undeniable positive contributor to employee engagement um, and that it's really important for our organizations to provide that. Is that, have you worked in organizations where, you know, because I guess that's part of the performance feedback process that, you know, the, the potential for growth within the organization. What's your experience with that? And do you think it's a contributor to employee engagement? Uh, 100%. Yeah. If you are offering people learning opportunities uh, and they're not taking them, they're, again, probably the wrong person for your organization because mm-hmm. uh, you can't stand still. Uh, and that doesn't mean they have to be the next superstar or learn the next you know, newest of everything. Um, it's just they want to learn something new. It could be, you know, a new typing skill, a new software program, a new, it, it really doesn't matter what it is. It's something new they want to learn. Um, but I think, you know, that professional development, offering them a chance at something, um, I think supporting them through that chance as well. Uh, just saying, oh, we'll, you know, some organizations say, oh, we'll give you money to go learn courses. Um, but what courses are they only going to benefit the company? Are they, you know, Mm. it's, it's really letting, you know, getting them, getting involved and supporting them in that process. I also think involving um, leaders and managers and employees in the same type of training um, gives an opportunity for that um, sort of cross pollination of experience. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who, you know, think they can be a manager and a leader, but until they're, you know, experienced and, and see the role, they don't actually know what it means to do that role effectively. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to point fingers that your manager doesn't know your job. Well, they probably don't. That's why you're doing it, right? It's yeah, kind of yeah. my feeling. Um, yeah. But then to understand what it is the manager's doing that's making it so you can do your job. And so yeah. by involving them in, you know, training sessions where they're together, uh, we've mm-hmm. seen huge benefits. One, there's, you get this personal connection. Um, especially in trainings where there's a little bit of vulnerability involved. You know, people don't have to uh, learn everything about someone's personal life, but Mm -hmm. it's nice to get to know the person who's, you know, leading the group. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I find when you're doing training, that's a great opportunity because you see people make mistakes and everyone has a chuckle and you learn from that and you think, Oh yeah, the next time I I won't do that. Or, and, and it's both sides. Managers learn it. Employee level learns it. You know, it's, it's kind of a shared experience. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's a great way for, for teams to learn together. Um, it's, it's not a bad idea to send off your leadership to, a, to some sort of seminar off in the mountains for ski trip. And, and you know what? They're going to learn a ton because that's what mm-hmm. they're going to do is bond. Um, but doing it with, at the employee level, with the management level, you, you get that same sort of bonding. They get to see that they're, you know, they have the same needs, wants, desires. They're people, right? Uh, and right. I, I, I think that kind yeah. of combined training, you mentioned something else I 
wholeheartedly believe in is the buddy system mentors Mm. Uh, i don't know about the original definition you know of mentorship and all that but through my career i was fortunate to have a lot of good bosses that were willing to show me and teach me and mentor and you know and and even to this day i can reach out and ask for help or you know just advice um and i I think that's huge within you know an organization having a buddy right someone else you can bounce ideas off of learn from Um, even if they're not in your department it's they know stuff right i've sure seen those opportunities to learn together uh, as a Mm. senior team and then when issues came up there was a lot less siloing Mm -hmm. you you couldn't just say oh well really has nothing to do with hr has nothing to do with another department it's like you know people would make the time for you to sit down and talk because you weren't just the role that you played in the organization um so those are really good points and it's interesting because i remember one individual through a stretch opportunity got to be in the leadership position took a temporary management position and decided to step back it was offered the permanent position and declined it and said nope i love the technical aspect of my job i don't want the people management and so it was a really Mm -hmm. wonderful opportunity to uh, to see firsthand what it's like because it's i don't think people realize when they take these roles how different it is, especially if they're, you know, very, very good at what they do. And now they're a people manager. Um, and it's, it's a completely different role. Absolutely. So we've, we've seen um, huge changed work environment as a result of the pandemic. What do you think the impact is going to be on engagement once we begin to return to maybe <laughs> working from offices and, and uh, whatever our new normal looks like? Any thoughts? Ah, oh, the new normal. <laughs> if, if there is one. <laughs> it's, you know, and, and I was about to say, if there is one. Um, I, I absolutely think there will be. Um, and I think, I think there's always a new normal. Uh, Ten years ago, would we say we were doing what we were doing even two years ago? Mm. Um, so I think as things are continuously evolving uh, with the technology that's available, uh, um, I myself, before the pandemic, I moved across country and I'm working remotely and able to perform my duties as well as new duties that I've taken on in the organization. So it's an always evolving new normal when it comes to the, I'll say work environment. And I think that how do we keep them engaged? How do we, you know, um, keep pushing on? If you look at what we've had to do just to get through this, uh, I think it's all learning. Like Mm -hmm. some companies learned real quick. Hey, I can Mm -hmm. do this and I can do that. Um, Great example. My own company did, I think, a fantastic job. What we did was we set up an online, almost like community for the internal group. Uh, We used Mm -hmm. various chat programs and we encouraged lunch hour gatherings. And it it was a simple thing. Take 15 Mm -hmm. minutes when you're going to eat lunch and see who else is eating lunch. And you just get people sharing stories and chatting and, hey, what did you get up to? And, and you know, it's, it's common now that, you know, there's a lot, not a lot going on, but somebody always had something to talk about. Um, so it gave that engagement. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy when we're in the office to stand around the water cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, so as companies start to, you know, you'll see some companies who are maybe 100% right now home go back to, you know, 50-50 or some sort of hybrid model. Um, mm-hmm. 
they'll need to keep up with you know those types of things or or scheduled you know um, town hall meetings where you get the company together on site right so those people who aren't yeah. normally they Using show up some of the technology yeah that's right that, that we've learned how to use absolutely and 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 one another thing uh, and i i 100 praised our, our organization for doing this was you know not everybody's comfortable on camera and it's a new norm for a lot of people to do that. And then they have their kids running around in the office and they have their dogs and everything else. Well, they started saying, look, when we do our town halls and we get together, we'd love to see your faces. We don't get to see every day. We don't all get to work with one another every day. So mm -hmm. it'd be nice just to see your face. We get it. If your kid runs in the room and you want to, you know, mute your mic or close your camera, that's, that's perfectly normal. We mm -hmm. all experience it. You know, who hasn't had their kid run in, um, mom, dad, I need this, or, or, you know, some people's cases, their animals sit right on their laptop, right? Yeah. I think it's that, you know, make it feel normal. So then people can, you know, work the hybrid model. People mm -hmm. are at the office, they still get to see one another. Um, it's, you know, it's not hard to see a smiling face in a camera and get to have a chat about how your weekend was. If, if you don't think about it too much, it's not any different from sitting in front of the water cooler. That said, uh, I certainly love the idea of people getting back and being able to engage yeah. more continuously. Yeah. Hearing hugs. the hum. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, well, and, and the hum of an office at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is something I miss being a remote worker where, you know, you're walking through the office and you hear a conversation that, you know, maybe isn't particular to your job, but it, it, it's an interesting one and you can contribute or even you can learn something from it. And that, that is something that I think it's much difficult for employers to figure out how to do that. How do you get the hum? And, yeah. and, and that's where, like I said, these one-off kind of, Hey, take 15 minutes, meet your coworkers. You know, you're yeah. going to talk about work. There's going to be things that come up, uh, have those conversations. So. Well, I think I, you I, shared. I, yeah. Before, before we got on the call, you were, talking a little bit about having moved right across the country and yet through these zoom meetings you know really having a bigger connection with the people that you know when the, we're in the vancouver office yeah absolutely what about the again more statistics i should have known that <laughs> this is not going to not going to be going to be easy for you um harvard business review is reporting that since the outbreak of the pandemic, 75% of employees say they feel more socially isolated. We've talked a little bit about that. 57% are feeling greater anxiety and 53% say they're more emotionally exhausted. So whatever our new normal looks like, I, I as a manager, consider that we've got a, an exhausted workforce. Um, that's had to cope with an awful lot um, over the period of the pandemic and consideration needs to be given to how do you heal that? How mm. do you make that better? Any thoughts for both personally and also for leaders who uh, will be overseeing those teams coming back? Well, I think much like when everything hit so suddenly, um, you know, those first couple months, there's a ton of anxiety. How do we even, you know, get people to work from home? Uh, all that setup that went in, getting the routines. And, and one of the biggest things that made it work for a lot of companies is patience. 
right? You have to be patient. It's new mm -hmm. for all of us. Yeah. So I think it's the same coming, you know, any kind of change going forward. If coming back to the office, I certainly think flexibility around that patience. Um, mm -hmm. I know certainly in my role and my company in the tech industry and industries where working from home actually isn't the hardest thing in the world because of the way your job is. Uh, yeah. Yes, you lose out on the office environment and all those um, pieces, but I think it it's it's that ability to still do your job quite easily, um, but with flexibility. You know, gone is the nine to five. Uh, I know lots of people who, you know, on a rainy weekend, they weren't doing anything anyway, so they decided to do some work. Made their Monday morning a lot easier because they got through 30 of the 50 emails that were going to normally wait for them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so having that kind of flexibility and expectations, having that patience, um, I think also trusting the people you that, you know, work yeah. with you, work for you, yeah. um, work alongside you, you know, mm -hmm. uh, those are key. P you know, people are feeling, you know, anxiety because they're feeling pressure that, you know, uh, there's a whole outside pressure of COVID of safety and all these things, but then you've got your, your duties, you know, and again, a passionate engaged individual feels somewhat obligated to do things right for the company. And if that obligation feels, you know, gets too big, they almost put their own undue pressure and it's on the organization to, to help them step back and say, no, 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 look, reasonable time frame. What's a reasonable time frame? Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, Hey, I know you have to drive your kids to school in the morning. I, I know you need to, you know, do this and do that. And, and, and I know meetings take a little longer now because you're on a zoom call and I know, and it's that flexibility, that patience, that's what helps relieve some of that anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, definitely as a manager, if you didn't do it before, set goals, like write them down, mm -hmm. um, put a date for when you expect things to be done, but understand that the, that's not like the end all be all date. Um, it's about setting a, a goal together and saying, Hey, we're going to aim for that for the end of the week. Mm -hmm. And when you, when it gets missed, it's on the manager not to get completely you know, upset and uh, out, out, just outraged because we missed it because we promised this date. No, find out why you missed it yeah. or there are other factors. And again, that's patience. But, but I think a manager should be doing that anyway. I just think it needs to be elevated in these times. Let people know that it's okay. We missed the date. Do we know why? Oh yeah, it was, you know, uh, we were just waiting on someone to, to, they found an error and they're fixing it. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. that means we know it's we're, yeah. it's a good yeah. reason. Yeah. No harm, no foul. Um, so that's, I, I think that's a big piece around the anxiety of things. Uh, when it comes to isolation, uh, again, uh, just where I'm remote anyway, I can tell you it's not hard to feel isolated. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's making that extra effort. I, I can honestly say even some of the new people that have only been with the company maybe a month or two, even a few weeks, um, it's engaging with them. Hey, how are yes. you doing? It's your first yeah. week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The little things, the little things, you mm -hmm. know, spend an extra five minutes on the call just to say, how's it going? Hey, you need, can I help you with anything? You mm -hmm. know, don't even talk about work, ask them yeah. what they've been up to, you know, what, what got them, what, what, why are you joining us? What encouraged you to be here if they're new employees yeah. um, and the existing group, you know, I've known people, I've been with my company for 10 years now and 
there's people that have been with the company much longer than me and and it's just touching base every so often how are things going anything new you know it's, it's just the way it is now you have to spend a little extra effort to to engage with one another and, and maybe those will, those will come forward back into whatever our new work environments look because i know at the beginning of the pandemic we were all really good at reaching out to people who we knew were yep, isolated yep. and weren't going to be able to get around and I know that that's kind of dropped off a little bit, but I think it's important to re-remember that. It's funny, I was on a, a book launch with um, Elizabeth Gilbert and Martha Beck. And just before the end of it, one of the, their cat walked across the screen and it just made it so real and so it, lovely. You, you it, said it, it made it real. Right? It made it real. And I, I think it's when you're talking about, you know, having people learning together you know, and having them practice things that they're not already good at is that none of us are good at things right from the get-go. No, <laughs> it doesn't matter no. what, what role you play in our organization. So you've, you've provided some really, really good examples. Thank you. Yeah. Alex, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile that you attribute that businesses running their very best is like running a championship team and i loved that and i'm actually it's it's interesting because you list five points in your linkedin profile about you you can take a look lister uh, on your own and they remind me a lot of the q12s in the gallup survey number one is that everyone knows the goals and their role and how we achieve those goals number two being transparency and how we're doing build trust and keep everyone bought in on what and why Three is leaving the egos at home, supporting one another through the wins and the losses. Four, stick to the agreed upon game plan, adapt as needed, but hold firm on the overall plan. Unless of course you've got it completely wrong. And five, at the end of the day, we should enjoy why and what we're working towards. I have listened to your responses to the questions and to some of the quotes and things. And it's obvious that, that this is the kind of organization that you want to belong to and that you work to make sure is what people experience. Any tidbits for our listeners on keeping that alive? Mm. Ah, there's so many ways, <laughs> but I think, I think just to sum up a lot of those, it takes uh, a lot of practice, it takes a lot of training, it takes documentation, you need documentation in writing, put it in writing, uh, it becomes visual, and communicating, those, those right there achieve all five of those things, right, there's somewhere in all five of those things you have to practice what you're doing. It doesn't just come natural. You said earlier, we don't, mm -hmm. we don't just pick stuff up and do it all of a sudden. Sometimes yeah. we feel like we do, but somehow you learn something to get you there. Um, so I think, I think the planning, the training, the documentation, the communication around that stuff is, is just crucial. And you practice it. You, you just do it over and over and over. Um, I really think putting things visual. I, I'm a visual learner. I know mm -hmm. lots, most people you know, if they see something, they can start to put their own words to it. So that visualization, even if it's just the goals, like I was saying earlier, putting a date, yeah. 
Yeah. The date is a visual thing to say, we're aiming for this. It's not the, we can't move that date. It's, we hope not to move that date. We want to mm -hmm. get to there by then. So we can do other news things. So I, I, I think that's important, putting visuals in front of, and then the other one is, is check-ins. Um, from a manager's perspective, I, when I had people reporting direct to, directly to me, and I, and I do constantly now, only as a project manager, you have them from all over the organization. So you have to check in. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a quick, hey, how's it going? Did, are we, are we going to meet next week's deadline? You know, give them an opportunity to, to, to say, yeah, I'm not sure. Let me get back to you. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or they'll say, yeah, yeah, we're, we're on track. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay, all good. You know, yeah. those check-ins. Um, <clears throat> then there's also the check-ins of, you know, again, just checking in. How are you? Is yeah. things going well? <laughs> not, not, not always just about work. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's, again, giving the human part of it, uh, making them feel part of the team. You're like, like championship teams, right? Um, and, and I think even getting in a rhythm, uh, I like the idea of booking weekly meetings or booking meetings in advance that here, we've put a placeholder here. If we don't need it, we won't, we don't have to have the meeting. If we've mm -hmm. all got all caught up throughout the week because of the way the week was, we can ignore the Friday meeting. Um, it gives them a, you know, a date that they can maybe collect questions and come back to one another and have that conversation about. So, so I think getting it in the routine, getting it in the calendar, just, just throw it in calendar. You can yeah. always change it. Calendar is easy to delete and move appointments. Mm -hmm. So but then pe people are holding that, that time for the potential the time. If, it's, if it's felt required. You know, it's there, it's available to you. Uh, and I definitely think um, if you look at sort of those five things, it talks about goals and, and being on the same page. So again, it's communicating with us. So be clear. The organization needs to be clear what they're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, job descriptions. I don't know. You can write a job description as broadly as you want, but at the end of the day, people know what their job is. Yeah. You know, what yeah. are you doing here? Um, and, and then from the employee side, they have to, you know, step up when it, something's not right. Feel free to speak that, hey, I, I, I'm not clear on this. Uh, or, hey, I saw this and I'm wondering if we should maybe, you know, adapt it to this because I learned another thing that you didn't know before. Mm -hmm. uh, it, so it's a communication, but it's the outlining of these goals. Again, nothing is set in stone. I, I've never worked at any of my jobs where it's set in stone, mm -hmm. especially when you have a good reason. You can, you can alter, alter your path. Um, as, a, as someone who's played sport all my life, as I'm an avid sports fan, and I'm really interested in watching when the championship teams, you look at their role players, not the superstars making the most money. It's the role players, and they contribute equally to what the superstars are. And it's equal because that's what they're there for. You, you don't expect your top scorer to be throwing the big hits or blocking shots because of the risk mm -hmm. of injury, but yeah. you need that role player. So yeah. it's equally as important. Yeah. Um, it's a team. It's a team. It, yeah. It, and it, that's it, most of us work in teams. Absolutely. Yeah. And the wins and losses, you need to share them together. Um, mm -hmm. Nobody carries the load themselves. Uh, my experience, even good presidents and CEOs, they don't carry the load themselves and employees have to feel the same way. You know, yeah. you win and lose together. Well, then you feel like you're working in part of, it's a family. It's a family. You're, yeah, you're right. You're, you're doing this all together. 
some of what you've described is uh, psychological safety. I've just finished reading Amy Edmondson's excellent book, The Fearless Organization, um, and how engagement is very much about people being able to um, actually use their voice and share, as your example. I've learned of something else you might not be aware of, you know, and, and not being fearful mm. that, you know, speaking up is, uh, and it sounds in your organization and the places that you've worked, that that's been, that's been an important piece for you to feel engaged. And how, when you can't, that's another factor that, yeah, if you in the book, there are some horrific examples of, of things going very wrong because people were afraid to speak up. So uh, an important component. Um, examples of things that you've seen effectively done in other organizations that you, you've visibly has boosted engagement. And we're, we're coming to an end of the questions. So um, I'm squeezing every little last bit of goodness I can out of you. <laughs> no worries. Um, okay, so when it comes to the creating an environment for engagement, uh, emotional connection, I was talking earlier about being vulnerable. Uh, it's on managers to walk the walk. Um, you, you, mm -hmm. you can't tell people you have an open door policy and then tell them to go away every time they walk in your door. Um, you have to be willing to show them your vulnerability, your human um, to gain emotional trust. And it can't be fake. People will quickly know. Um, and, and when you do that, you eliminate that fear of being able to speak up. It allows p most people to at least come and pass an idea by. They don't mm -hmm. even feel like they have to complain to you. They come and bring something to your attention versus mm -hmm. actually complain. And if it's, if it's big enough and it warrants it, then they will jump all over it that, Hey, you know, let's stop this before it gets bad, you know? And, th and that's, you know, that's even if it's a small thing at work or something that's, you know, really a cause for concern, an HR violation, you know, mm -hmm. you see all the things in the media these days and people not being able to speak up because of fear of yeah. job loss and all that. That's toxic environment they're working in. They're yeah. old school thinking that that's how we used to do it. Right. So, so I really think it's from a manager's, from an organization perspective, it trickles down, you know, certainly if it's a privately owned family owned, you know, how it's being run, you have to build that emotional connection, that trust. Um, and it has to be true because the moment you break that trust with one employee, the rest will see it. And it, it yeah. just spreads like wildfire. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think as far as creating the engagement environment, it's, it's doing things like giving people opportunity. It's showing them, you know, be involved yourself be vulnerable. Um, one of the greatest things I've ever experienced in my career is, is Halloween is watching people at any level of the organization, get in a costume, participate mm -hmm. in events, be silly, be vulnerable in front of everybody else. And meanwhile, every other day of the week, you see them in a suit and tie. They're very proper. They're very respected amongst the organization and yet they're able to be that kid again, that, that here's, here's who I am. Right. Um, and that balancing act. Um, so, so, you know, do things in your organization to let people be themselves, encourage it. Um, creativity is a great way. So, you know, do contests, especially um, 
software company, a lot of companies when they're doing software, they, they want to have internal naming of their releases. Mm -hmm. And for our company, we do contests, you know, what do we think we should call the the internal release of this product? Get people engaged, involved. You don't have to be a developer to name the product. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, so I, th- I think things like that, it, it's really about getting intimate with the employees. And I don't mean intimate in an inappropriate way. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. letting them yeah. be, you know, yeah. see you, be you. Um, and then that'll encourage them to be able to do it. Uh, I, I certainly think with the way today's world is, there are so many unique characters when it comes to who we are. Um I don't think you can put people in a box anymore and say, that's what they are, or that's who Mm -hmm. they are. That's what they do. Um, Mm -hmm. So you have to encourage it. Uh, Yeah. You know, you don't have to point it out and be direct, but let just people do it. Right. Well, I think it's, it's, it's people We're we're not widgets and yeah, people come with an array of emotions and life challenges. And then that varies over time too. Great examples. You make me think of, the departments that would get together and theme um, Halloween and mm. oh my goodness, some of the, some of what, what they came up with was so creative and so fabulous. And actually I, I think back on one of the organizations I've worked with the night before we would all just completely change the department and it would all be gone by noon. Um, <laughs> it was, it was human resources and we, and payroll actually, and we wanted yeah. to, make sure that people feel, felt welcomed and could see a different side of us. So great example. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, thank you so very much. I have loved learning more about employee engagement from your perspective and your insights on some of the questions and your tolerance <laughs> of the statistics. <laughs> uh, and I know that anyone listening will find very helpful some of the suggestions and the ideas that um, that you've shared uh, with us today. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And for the listener, if you wish to connect in with Alex and learn a little bit more about uh, some of the examples that he's shared, he can be reached at alex.can, C-A-N-N, at eastlink.ca or via his LinkedIn profile. Both of our contact informations um, are available on the podcast description page on whatever your favorite social media platform is. Alex, and I hope that you found today's session interesting and a little bit of fun to listen to. If you have, please consider signing up for the podcast series, HR Inside Out, Demystifying HR and People Management, again on your favorite social media platform, and for leaving a review so that others might benefit from the learning. I'm gonna be back again next week and I hope you'll join me again as you guessed it, you dare to soar. It's time to fly. Susan and Alex signing out. Bye for now. Thanks again, Alex. Thank you. Take care. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangenay at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high.
I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.